Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I got an order for you. You ordered a large serving of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, from the time of posting, it's happening in two days. Potterless Live in Phoenix, Arizona, January 22nd at Valley Bar in Phoenix. If you want to get tickets, they are super close to selling out. Head on over to bit.ly slash PotterlessPHX, all lowercase, and I'll see you there. And we'll hang out after the show. We'll grab drinks. We'll talk. We'll take pictures. It'll be fantastic. So see you soon. Now, let's say you can't attend the Phoenix show. Let's say you're so angry that you would, I don't know, say that it steams your nuggets. And if this was the case, you want to express that something has steamed your nuggets. How are you going to do that? You're going to do it with the new Steams My Nuggets pins that are available on the Potterless merch store. If you go to bit.ly slash merch on, you can see the new pins designed by Kelly, the steamed nugget herself. They are glorious. They are golden. They are adorable. It's got a little steam nugget guy on them. They are available for pre-order now. So head on over so you can get your steam nuggets pins as soon as possible. And finally, if you live in the Los Angeles area and you want to see my face, you are in luck. There's a lot of opportunities to do so. I'm doing a live show for Potterless. I'm doing multiple shows for Horse. I'm at a convention in Los Angeles. If you want to learn about all of the ways that you can see my face in LA, you can head on over to multitude.production slash live. Finally, last episode, we talked a little bit about Marcus Belby in the movies. And some listeners pointed out to me that, unfortunately, the actor who played... Marcus Belby, Rob Knox, died tragically just four days after filming the scenes for that movie. He was out celebrating with his friends and his brother, and someone tried to start a fight. He intervened and unfortunately was stabbed to death. And it's a tragic story. I wish I had known this at the time of recording, but I wanted to take this time to remember Rob and let you all know that there is a foundation made in his name, the Rob Knox Foundation. If you go to robknox.org, you can learn about it. They do charity work for young kids in the performing arts. So all my best wishes to the Knox family, and I wish I had known this before recording that episode. On a happier note, we have a whole bunch of new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Gail Galinsky, Vamin Adriansen, Maylene Lagoni, Tuli Arila, Lou McSaveny, Odie Azigwe, Brittany Downs, Ashley Miger, Gavin Gondolwala, Helen Smith, Jillian Spence, Viet, Charlotte Hahn, Jasmine, Mackenzie Ladd, Rosas Romero, More Than a Sprinkle, Bradley Cullen, Kelly Stenschult, and a birthday wish saying, you can't deny, Bethany's Got Style. A name correction for Pita McGraw and Layana. Shout out to Jess Rogers who upgraded their pledge. Shout out to Sabrina Balsiger and Sophia 
loves pigs for upgrading to the producer level status, as well as a producer level birthday wish for Luca Holbling. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Clown, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rose, Marie, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Roxanne, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Ingen, Alex, John, Noel, Emily, Liz, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Summer, Andrea, Lynn, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Netta, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Sarah, Marta, Erin, Eileen, Violet, Lindsay, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Ann, Mr. Folk, Maya, Kieran, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Peter, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Daniel, Lee, Lily, Elizabeth, Michael, Tiffany, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Mary, Jennifer, Jaden, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Kayla, Aurora, Emma, Out of Context, Marcos, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Jenny, Sarah, McKenna, Mary, Joy, Heather, Dead, Cat Lady, Javi, Darlene, Brad, Thomas, Charlotte, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Bugaboo, Jarl, Haley, Emma, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jack, Jen, and Nicole, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Jordy, Bella, Melanie, Bill, Victoria, Joe, Elizabeth, Britt, Molly, Becca, Anthony, Rees, Adam, Madison, Kyle, Don't Call Me Nymphedora, G, Maximilian, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never leave a gift card at work when the whole plans was to use that gift card this weekend, meaning you had to go out of your way to get the gift card before you went out. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content such as director's commentary, bonus episodes, exclusive live streams, exclusive merchandise, you can head on over to patreon.com slash potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 109, the final episode about the movie adaptation of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, guest starring Miel Bredo and Bettina Campomanes. And welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter books as a kid. He read them as an adult, and now he's watching the movies. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that 27-year-old man, and I'm joined in studio, in person, by two lovely women that I knew from Vine, and now I know from life beyond Vine, since it is dead. We've made it beyond, and they are here with me to discuss some more Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince movie. It's Bettina Campomanes and Miel Bredo. How's it going, folks? It's going great. How you doing? How you doing, dog? How you doing, dog? Oh, I'm pretty sweaty. My titties are getting a little wet in the studio. <laughs> but honestly, feeling good. I think they look better that way. Same, 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 same. We're going to talk like this for the rest of the episode. No comment. <laughs> Let's talk about this children's film. <laughs> you asked! <laughs> Just be honest! <laughs> Gotta watch this bra later. So then they're back at school eventually. And one of the first scenes you see is... Lavender Brown being all lovey-dovey over Ron. And Hermione has a great line of, quote, excuse me, I have to go vomit. Very good. I appreciated <laughs> Dial it. Dial up to like 15. <laughs> so aggressive. Very, very anti-Emma Watson here. I know. I mean. Uh, I'm telling, I'm not even talking about her acting. I'm just talking about the script. Yeah. It's absurd. She just, that's just, it's so, it's such a caricature of anything. Right. And I guess these are kids movies and it's like meant to be kind of fun, but I didn't feel like it was this crazy in the book. No. I don't it's think like it's not. so heightened and stupid. Yeah. Excuse me, like a vomit. <laughs> like it's just, it's just not good writing. I can see it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So the next scene we have is the next pensive trip, and I don't know what changed from the first time to the second time, but they always have a little bit of echo in the pensive to make things reverb, sound maybe? a little more ominous. But in this one, every time Tom Riddle talks, the reverb is turned up to. Well, this 6, is the 000. memory that was tampered with. Yes. So, so that's that probably could why. be it. But yeah, every time Tom Riddle talks, if you go, <laughs> if you go, even the first time when he says "sir," it's like "sir, sir, sir, sir." <laughs> the memory is tampered with I know because it's the reverb is, is so intense yeah the sound designer of this pensive trip really went overboard <laughs> Dumbledore takes off his headphones it was doctors <laughs> no one's voice sounds like that naturally 
sir. In this flashback, you have Tom Riddle talking to Slughorn about the Horcruxes. And the first thing he says is, oh, I was in the restricted section of the library and I came across this word. My question that I'm thinking of now. Bukake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why does Hogwarts even have a restricted section? Because uh, they support the First Amendment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Wands are an allegory for guns. It just seems so uh, so strange that they would have this. Well, you're expecting like 11-year-olds to walk around. I'm assuming like maybe like there's like some sexy things in there. Like that they're they're kids. They're, just <laughs> put it not in the library. Like put it somewhere and put it in the teacher's lounge. Well, I don't so you know. don't think they should be able to read J.D. Salinger? What are you saying? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Catcher in the Rye sucks. <gasps> Do you? What is good about that book? Oh, oh okay. Some nerd didn't go to the restricted section library. <laughs> I had to read it sophomore year and I was just I which, didn't which one of his books? The Catcher in the Rye. Oh, I didn't like that one. See? I don't know. It's just I didn't like reading a book where the main character was just a piece of shit. Like that's the whole thing is just Holden You're Caulfield just phony. sucks. I knew you were gonna call me. <laughs> the one thing in this pensive trip that I didn't think was done very well is that they didn't make it very clear that it was doctored with until Dumbledore afterwards tells you that it was doctored you didn't with. Think? Well, they unless you already know what happens. In the book they describe it as ominous clouds come in and fill everything up and it's super painfully obvious that it's been doctored with which in here I guess the only thing you can tell is that Tom Riddle's voice starts slowly going and you don't I hear him like say Horcrux. Perfect. I yeah. I thought they did a really good job. I feel like for all the criticisms I have of this movie none of them are against the sound design or the like special effects team. I okay. thought all of that for the most part was done. I feel like actually they almost made a different movie. Like they had a different <laughs> Because it is, it's like subtle. Yeah. And same with the, like, I don't know if it's the same team, but like with the girl that's getting cursed oh, or whatever, so like good. suddenly it's like very high art and interesting. And right. then it goes back to being like kind of kitschy and childish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all the effects are cool. Even when we're complaining about stuff like the flying and the bridge breaking and stuff, it all looks dope. Yeah. So I like the effects and all that, but Did yeah. You, do you feel like the pensive trip was obvious? Because you haven't read the books. Which, which so when, when, when things are doctored and like uh, they tried to get the memory from Slughorn, but he like tried to change instead, it. instead when he asks, he goes like, I would never tell you what that is and I don't get out of my room. And then it ends. Could you tell before Dumbledore's like, hey, bud, that was doctored with that it was changed? Or did it just seem like a regular memory? Yeah, it just seemed like a regular memory. I, okay, so maybe it's too subtle. Maybe it's too subtle. I think it's just more in the book they describe it as being incredibly over the top in that there's a big cloud and then even his voice sounds different and too loud and everything. It's like mm. someone was really trying to poorly edit a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I had to be told after. that it wasn't real to kind of really like, yeah. oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a long, long, oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's where I stand. That's what I was thinking. Always looking for a long O. <laughs> oh, wow, man. <laughs> hey, long O, what's going on? <laughs> it's long bottom. Anyway, we're talking about the half-blood prince. We are. <laughs> so then Harry talks to Dumbledore about the trip and Dumbledore's like, yo, man, you have to be my secret agent. I know that you're incredibly not good at this kind of stuff, but I need you. And then Harry blows it just like he does in the book. He goes up to Slughorn, says the exact same things that Tom Riddle said. And then Slughorn very obviously is like, Dumbledore's making you ask me about this, isn't he? Because Dumbledore just asked him and he just gave him that doctored memory. Pretty hot. What is that they say in the mafia? When you gotta let something cool Sleeping down. with the fishes? No, like, you know, you're hot because you just committed a crime. You gotta lay low for a while. That sounds correct. Off to the mattresses? Sure. <laughs> I shouldn't have tried to reference something I'm not familiar with. <laughs> Those could be mafia things. You two know. Yeah, noted mafia member Mike Schubert and Bettina Kavamanes. I, I don't know. Maybe. 
You never know who's in the mafia. That's the point of the mafia. You get a scratch on your finger, and now you're a part of the mafia. Smell the finger? You're also part of the mafia. <laughs> but one thing that I do think they did well in the movie versus the book is this interaction where Harry messes up asking for it. I think he's a little more subtle. It's more of Harry is just bad at trying to get him at the thing, whereas in the book, Harry just blurts out, hey, what's a horcrux, basically? Yeah. So I think they made that a little more believable, and Slughorn's reaction was a little more gradual, so I appreciated them doing the scene a little bit better. I also think the guy who plays Slughorn does a really good job. Jim Broadbent. Sorry. Know his great, name. Jim Broadbent, great job. He was very solid as He's the character. He's amazing. All of the casting that they get, especially for the adults, everyone knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Even when it's these characters like Gildory Lockhart and people that are only in for one movie. Kenneth Branagh? Yes. These are like Shakespearean mm. actors. I oh, know. Fine. I got people gave me mad shit for not knowing him. <laughs> I was like in the episode, I said, isn't the guy who plays Gildoroy a big deal? And then my guest at the time was like, yeah, pretty, you know, he's blah, and blah, I blah. Don't know And then they... someone, some British person on Facebook was like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, he's like a very accurate. He made Hamlet. He, he wrote Hamlet? <laughs> he made, made the made movie that he uh-huh. also starred in. And then, of course, how could we forget the villain in Wild Wild West? No way. Yes. Oh, the guy with the big animatronic yes, spider. spider. What is his name? J.P. Morgan. No, no. it's um, <laughs> Loveless. Loveless, yes. Wow. Amazing. This crown jewel performance. Amazing. What a pull. What a pull. Gosh, so good. I did appreciate them pronouncing. I've never known how to pronounce Bezor. B-E-Z-O-A-R. Yeah, we talked about this last time. Yeah. They say Bazor in the movies, which feels fancy. Pretentious. I've always said Bezor. I think Snape even says it differently in the first one. Yeah, but I think he says like, I don't even know. But hey, editing Mike here, just to let you know, past Mike, that you were correct. In the first movie, Snape says Bezor. And then now they've decided it's bizarre. I'm not sure. Anyway, back to the podcast. It's just, they've decided it's bizarre. Bizarre. <laughs> oh, it's your bizarre. But I appreciated the scene, thought it made sense. And then the next Slughorn scene you get is when Ron is under the love potion and chokes right. and all of that. And that was, again, much like the possessed scene. Really solid, like the Super foaming at the upsetting. mouth, the shaking and all of that. Again, is there no spell to make him stop being poisoned? So what they do is they use the bazaar. Yeah, but why do, why do they need like a practical thing that couldn't just be like unpoisonify? Bow. I think. Then why have a potions class? I feel like, mm-hmm. you know. I don't understand magic. Restrictions. I, th- I, don't I think the biggest thing with, with magic, you learn more of this in the seventh when George's ear gets taken off by a dark spell and they just can't heal his ear. I think what you're ultimately trying to get at is that some dark magic is so dark that a counter curse, counter spell won't work. Just doing something to undo. a lot of undo, memorizing to know. Yeah. That's like five languages. For sure. A lot of Latin. Yeah. But... What I think about this scene didn't make as much sense is that the bazaar, did you get that that bazaar was supposed to undo poison? I knew it helped, probably. Right. But before it happened, when Harry just shoves shit in Ron's mouth, where you're like, all. oh, it yeah, like that's going to work. It looked like a yummy soap. <laughs> it was, like, really black. Yeah, it's kind of gross, and it's pretty big. Yeah, it's and huge. he's got to swallow it and chew. I've never understood how that like all worked. Like a nice worked. charcoal soap. Mm, nom, 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 nom. It gets rid of all the dirt. Yeah, all the same, impurities. Same Purifies. way it gets rid of all the poison. Mm-hmm. Like when you had Norwalk virus, and you had to, no? Norwalk nah, virus? Is on, this some on. Seattle yeah, Island stuff? No, on. what is Norwalk virus? It was a vicious bacterial stomach infection that ravaged the island one year. Seriously? Yeah, we all had to eat charcoal because it just made you like vomit and shit your brains out. It was pretty bad. I did have it. I did shit my pants at work. (laughs) (laughs) 
one I did work in a restaurant. Was it something where every like yeah. you can't help it? Everyone gets it. Like yeah, chicken they quarantined pox? the whole camp where the kids got it, but it didn't stop it from spreading. How does it? How did it? Just start? like highly, highly contagious. I think some kids shipped in from Seattle to go to camp YMCA, whatever, brought it. Oh and then because it's a camp, they all like gave it to each other. And then the whole camp got shut down. And then the island got it. And it was bad. Norwalk. I think it's. I think I might be getting it wrong. I think it's Norwalk is a city outside of L.A. I think it's norovirus or something. Okay. <laughs> Fact check that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something. Well, editing Mike will come in and be like, one it of is these is going. <laughs> Norwalk it's is like, a suburb of Los Angeles. I hope Angeles. it's completely different. It's like, it was mad cow's disease. <laughs> Hey, Editing Mike here just saying that Miel's second guess was correct. It is norovirus. N-O-R-O-V-I-R-U-S. Feel free to Google it. It sounds not great. Anyway, back to the podcast. Oh, man. But yeah, so in the book, there is a scene when they're doing potions class where Harry uses a bazaar. It's actually a really fun scene. It's something where they have to make a potion that isn't in the textbook. So Hermione is trying to be all high and mighty that, oh, Harry, look at you. You're going to have to figure out how to do a spell. Make po- You're going to figure out how to do, yeah, exactly. You're going to have to figure out how to do potions without help from your book. And Harry starts freaking out and they're supposed to make an antidote to poison. And then Harry just offhanded remembers that either Bazaar was written in the book or Snape mentioned it at one point in one of his earlier lessons. So he just runs to the cabinet, grabs a Bazaar, and then shows it to Slughorn. He's like, it completely works in his favor where Slughorn's like, oh, really cheeky of you. You didn't make a potion. You just gave me the thing that undoes poison. So it makes more sense that when in the freak moment of, oh, crap, Ron's about to die, mm-hmm. and then Harry's trying to figure out what's going on, and he sees a Bazaar, he's like, ah, yes, cool. This thing I used a couple chapters ago, grabs it, puts it in Ron's mouth. But in the movie... He just knows how yeah, to do it? Yeah, that's a pretty quintessential scene to cut. Right. For the context of this one. They put a very brief mention of a bazaar before Harry talks to Slughorn about trying to get him to give him up the information that he gave Riddle about Horcruxes. But they don't really set up in the movie that anti-poison is bazaar. So... I don't know. It felt it, like you're saying, it, like, why wouldn't you put something in so that the viewer would be like, ah, yes, that big artichoke looking thing. Or I got it. just cut out the scene of Ron choking. Like, I feel like I it feel does. I like feel it was of... important, though, because it seemed useful to me because the reason why he couldn't do it himself was because he was so engulfed in, like, guilt because he was supposed to give whatever he, they had to Dumbledore, I think, right? Yeah. So the he couldn't drink. act. Yes. The drink. So... The what was it like a liquor it that was, was given to Slughorn and he was going to give it to Dumbledore? Right. So in the book, what happens is Slughorn buys a thing of mead from Madame Rose Myrta, who works at one of the bars in Hogsmeade. She works at the Three Broomsticks. He bought it from her to give to Dumbledore. But Malfoy did the Imperious Curse on Rose Myrta to poison it. So the Slughorn wouldn't know. So in the movie, they've just decided that Slughorn is gotten this from somewhere and is going to give it to Dumbledore. They didn't really set it up. Malfoy did it with the intention of killing Slughorn. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Because how did he know he was going to give it to Dumbledore? Th- that's what it doesn't make sense in the movie. Like, how oh did he know this? Whereas in the book, it makes a little bit more sense. They just needed to rewrite the script so aggressively. They really needed to do what they did for the seventh split book is split into two. But it was just at the time these came out, it was already wild enough that they were making a movie per book. I think they just needed to drop the romance stuff. 
It just wasn't necessary. We could have skipped it for this one and then just had them get together in the last one. You mean Great. the Ron and Hermione and all and that? The, or, and the Lavender well, Brown? Yeah, I mean, it would have literally cut off like 30 minutes of time we could have used for like essential plot points. That's true. Also, Him and you, Ginny, we don't need any of this building. It doesn't ultimately work. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, we just want to see them together at the end. The other thing you could cut is that whole scene where the burrows lit on fire for some reason. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Ha- I think it's just too many cooks in the kitchen. I think yeah. it just must have been too many people being like, we have to get this in. We have to get this in. I just... I will never understand why they had to do that scene with the burrows on fire. What did it accomplish? What did it achieve? This burrows on fire. <laughs> they read it and they're just like, that will look sick. <laughs> it's not in yeah. the book at all. So it's Maybe just like someone they... came up with it and then someone in the room was like, that would Well, look they sick. obviously had this amazing special effects team. So maybe they were like, we need more work. What can we give them? You guys haven't lit enough shit on fire, have you? Oh, it's the worst, right? Isn't that the hardest thing to do? Fire? I yeah, what's fire the hardest hair? special effect? Hair seems always so hard. Water? I think that's got to be up there. Snow seems hard. <laughs> but, you know, you Weather. special effects. <laughs> no, I mean, I've I've done fire before. It's all right. I <laughs> I think, it, I mean, it was real fire, Yeah, I would say. But so it was like, a pyro yeah. team. It wasn't even special effects. <laughs> <laughs> they just wanted to light something. Yeah. I get it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah. they were thinking. This <laughs> so the next scene after this is they show Draco making more progress on the vanishing cabinet. But again, every time they show him work on the vanishing cabinet, he always has to <laughs> take off the cover of it, which is like, I don't get why they have to keep showing it. We know. Use we saw the first time. Up. I don't know. He's always, I'm Does working on this. that mean that every time he's done using it, he, he has puts to it back. put... Yes. Oh my God. Can't, no one can see this big That's cabinet. why he's getting cut. He's getting ripped. Just from that. <laughs> it's a heavy tarp. I know. But he's trying to make it work. He can't get it to work. And then he starts sobbing. And his sobbing is quite over the top. I love it. It's absurd. I love it. And then he moves on to go to the bathroom where he continues to sob. And it's a lot. It's not on camera, but that is implied. Yes. He had to go shit. He's sobbing in the mirror. And then Harry chases after him. And they have their little fight back and forth. And then Harry shoots Sectum Semper at him. And the blood that comes out of him, they do a really good job of that. Because it's supposed to be incredibly dramatic. And it was just like, he looks destroyed by this. It's very upsetting. It is upsetting. But it's also weird because... I don't feel like he had the right reaction to what the pain looked like. Tom? Beca- uh, or, yes, Tom Felton as a Draco. <laughs> I was like, Riddle? He's not in this. But when he's down and he's got all the blood going everywhere, he's not like freaking out about pain. He's doing the same sobbing he was doing before. So he's just on the ground kind of like, <laughs> but it's like, dude, you look like you should be freaking out. He looks like he should be, ah, what the fuck was that, Harry? Like, I feel like that would have been a more genuine reaction. I'm just like, <laughs> But like when Harry walks over to him, the way he's like so tense about like, oh my God, what did I just do? Right. It gave me such strong flashbacks of like having a fight with your siblings where you're both kind of like sparring and then you realize you went too far and you're about to get mm. in so much trouble. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all you can do is leave yeah, like Harry like, does. Please don't tell mom. Please don't tell mom. I'll be your slave for the day. I promise. Please don't tell mom. Please. Uh, super intense. Snape then heals him and again, he just does random Latin speak yeah. that is not in the books. But again, I did some research with my brain in the internet. He says, Vulnera Senenter. Vulnera comes from Vulnus, which is wound, which I knew. But then Senenter is from Senare, which means to heal. So literally, he's saying, heal the wound. Latin. How weird would it be <laughs> if it's just like not Latin and just English the entire time? Fix, fix, fix. <laughs> it's less sexy. <laughs> fix wound. <laughs> Bow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, Julius Caesar would be very disappointed. Show him a Hogwarts like, what? That's all you got to do? <laughs> 
So then later Wait, on. Wait, you... but you missed. Oh, what I miss? What I miss? Okay, in that bathroom fight. Yes. Malfoy is shooting laser balls at him without actually saying anything. Yeah, that happens a lot in the movies. Well, that doesn't upset anybody that we have this all this importance on spells, and all of a sudden it's just like your intention, your wand will just do it. Yeah, they mention in the books that some people are able to do nonverbal spells. Okay, I missed that. But the kids aren't supposed to be very good at it. It's supposed to be reserved for people like a Dumbledore or a Voldemort who is incredible at magic. And they really struggle with doing it. But yeah, in the movies, when they can't think of a spell to use, much like when they're in the Burr on Fire thing, it's just, yeah, just kind of throw your wand and be angry and then we'll shoot off a vague yeah, it's spark. it's like Serena Williams playing tennis. He's like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha! Ha! <laughs> uh, yeah, like a Street Fighter character. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Voldo, baby. <laughs> Who I do believe was the incentive for Voldemort, right? Sure. I think so. Definitely it. <laughs> they look the same. <laughs> and the Voldo, Voldemort, JK, <laughs> I know what you're up to. <laughs> JK Rowling, secret gamer nerd. <laughs> I'm not like other authors. <laughs> so there's a later scene where Harry's in the remote requirement with Ginny. What if we kissed? <laughs> what if we kissed in front of that bat filled wardrobe? Ha <laughs> Unless. <laughs> But what I love is because they have not set up in the movie yet that this is the room of requirement when they cut to Harry and Ginny in it, not going into it. They're already inside. No. Harry turns to Ginny and goes, the room of requirement, which is like, yeah, so that would never, that so makes no fucking sense. Movie timeline. Mm -hmm. Harry's like, oh, fuck. I just basically killed this kid. All right. Now I'm going to hang up my friend, Ginny. <laughs> yeah, I got to go hide my book. <laughs> what got left on the editing room floor here? They have the one scene in between where Ginny's like, you got to get rid of the book. And he's like, I know. And then oh, the room of requirement. <laughs> you think he'd go home and be like, you guys, you got to hear what I just did to Draco. <laughs> yeah. We don't even see that scene. Yeah, we just very briefly see him be sad around Does he get in trouble? I mean, Snape saw so, that. Yeah, in the books, it's a whole bigger thing. So in the books, what happens? Snape obviously sees. He starts to get in trouble with... At least Snape, maybe McGonagall and Dumbledore too. Snape now knows Sectumsempra is the spell that I created. Yeah. I did it. I wrote about he it in my, my book. He's got my book. So he asks Harry, where's your book? And then Harry, it's a, actually a really fun scene in the book, runs to Ron. I forget where Ron is. I think he's just hanging out in the common room. And he's like, Ron, give me your textbook. I need it for a thing. And then Ron's like, yup. Just like pure bro move. Like, sure, dude. <laughs> like, do what you got to do. <laughs> and then he takes that. Then Harry frantically runs to the room requirement, throws his book, but puts it in a place where he can find it again. And then runs back and then gives Snape the textbook. And then Snape's like, this isn't the book. And then Harry's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You got any proof. Like, innocent until proof of guilty. And then that's it. So that made it much like more Patrick sense. Star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Patrick. I'm, I'm I don't know to tell you. <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> but in the movie, they've decided to change it where Ginny has taken the onus to say, you got to get rid of this book and then goes with him and then is saying, you have to hide it so that you don't want to use it again. So I close your eyes and I'm going to hide the book and then Dude, kiss you. this movie is so thinly held together Look, scene to scene. It's just weird because they've gotten rid of the Quidditch scene where Harry and Ginny kiss. So now they have, a, have to have a different Harry and Ginny kiss scene. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But like even the premise of this, this is where I really just realized that Daniel Radcliffe and Bonnie Wright, Harry and Ginny, just no chemistry at all. No. Because mm. even the way the scene is set up, like, that should kind of work. There was a bat! You're telling me you didn't get horny? <laughs> it's a kind of cute, high school-y way to get a first kiss. Like, it seems like something kids would do. I get it. Also, did her and What's-His-Face break up off camera? So that's the thing. You only would know this if you've read the books but later on when Harry's doing the liquid luck scene he bumps into Ginny and Dean and they're 
in an argument, and that's them breaking up. So she kisses him before they broke up? In the movie, yes. <gasps> I don't know about in the book, Jenny. though. But hey, at least she cut it off right after, you know? No, I think she should have kept it going. <laughs> play is Love play, triangle. baby! <laughs> Keep the options open. But yeah, the, the scene, like, it's just, uh, it's just, it's really awkward with the kiss and it should have worked, and it just didn't. It doesn't. And again, directing, writing, whatever it is. This movie should have worked, and it doesn't. Ugh, really? It should have. It's so sad. So it's, yeah, not not great. But I do appreciate that the first line after this scene is Ron going to Harry and saying, did you and Ginny do it? And then Harry goes, Ew. what? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say that about your sister? That's gnarly. But then he clarifies that, hide the book, but it was pretty good. But then you've got the liquid luck scene. So yeah, Harry takes the liquid luck. It's cocaine. Clearly it's cocaine. Sure, It's yeah. a perfect size. <laughs> it's exactly. Liquefied. I, drank liquid cocaine like it's 1900. I know nothing about drugs, so I will believe it. Okay, sure. <laughs> the only experience with cocaine I have is there were- I did it a lot I, of times. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in- a bar at one of the Vine meetups that happened in New York when I was still living in Houston, and someone asked me if I had my keys, and I was like, Let's "Do a bump off of clearly." Yeah, someone was like, "Do you have your keys?" And I was here on vacation; I was living in Houston at the time, so I was like, "No, I don't have my keys. What keys would I have?" And then he was like, oh, "Okay, no worries." I was like, "Why did you need my keys?" He's like, "Oh, I was going to do cocaine in the bathroom." And I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> you what? sound like you sound like such a narc. So I'm, I'm just. I got drug tested all the time when I was an engineer. So just like oh. I couldn't. Where are my keys? Where are your keys? <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, I have never done cocaine. I have no interest in it, mm -hmm. but I'm aware of it. <laughs> I mean, I was aware. I didn't know people used keys to do it. You've never seen a movie. I, they're always doing it on those classic tables with mirrors. In the 80s, <laughs> but that was the cocaine 80s. You can't uh, do it. in like in, No one has a trough of cocaine anymore. It's a different time. I'm sorry. I didn't you have to know grow that. your pinky nail or you got to I did know about that. Or a pen. Or pen. A pen? Yeah, the pen cap. Oh, to... Okay. Like, Tina knows it's what's long up. Okay. <laughs> Tina knows what's up. <laughs> oh, man. So he gets coked out. So and he gets coked like, out. I and... got an idea. I got an idea. I got to go, you guys. My heart's racing so fast. I got to go. <laughs> I do think this whole scene is really well done. It's pretty true to form to the book. They add the pincers thing, which I think is really fun when he's talking about the acromantula. I referenced that like, moment so, so much in real life. I don't know yeah. why. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> I don't even know what this moment it's is. It's a nice sound. When the arachomet, when the arachomet, when the arachio, the big spider, uh -huh. <laughs> when the big spider's dead and they're trying to come up with a eulogy and they're just spitballing stuff Arach and they're yourself. saying things about him. Uh, <laughs> and Harry says like, and the pincers. And then Hagrid goes, we, yeah, that too. We have to go back to what Bettina just said. <laughs> what? Arach yourself. Arach yourself. Check yourself before, Check. There before you go. Arach yourself. There you go. Perfect. Exactly. Put it on a shirt. The end. It's over. New Potterless merch. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole scene is really well done. And they actually, one of the few instances where I think the movie does something better than the book, the scene between Harry and Slughorn when they're talking about Harry's mom and why he needs the memory and all of that. I think they expanded upon it a little bit more than the book goes through. And I think it was really well done. I love that scene. I do feel like, why wasn't that the first attempt? I don't know why. Because Harry is bad. Just an idiot. Yes, yes, 100%. And I also think that if you get anyone drunk, um, they're easier to manipulate. That's so true. that feels like an obvious thing to do as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But okay. Yeah. It's just Harry. I guess he being needed bad. liquid luck to figure that out. Exactly. You need this cocaine to realize, ah, I should get him drunk. The easy solution to getting someone to talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an idea. Uh, what if we did Airbud again, but he's in space? <laughs> 
Write it down. Why are you not writing? <laughs> Space buddies. So after Harry successfully gets Slughorn to agree to take out the memory, he does the thing with the wand where you take the memory out. But when he does it, there's some little vocal work where it makes some vague like yes, yes, yep. in, the, in the background. <laughs> and I want to know when they're doing the voice acting for that in the movie, how is that done? Can I get a sound designer on the show? What, what direction are they given? What do they tell the person to say? How many takes is it? Are they just in a booth with a microphone and they're just... Yes, yes, yes. Okay, sound more like a snake and less like... <laughs> Pretty much, I would assume so. Yeah. Exactly how you did it. Have you ever had to do any weird voiceover-y type yeah. sound effect-y <laughs> onomatopoeia like yeah. that? You probably Sometimes do you say normal words and you just put it backwards. Oh. It sounds pretty much like that. Ah. And you okay. put overlay that with different types of things. Ooh. All right. Let's. right. I'm going to watch this movie on reverse and see what it is. <laughs> and it's like, it's going to be like Papaya. that scene in like Spy Kids where they play it backwards and they're just like, live with a madman, help us, save us. <laughs> Do you know that scene? I know that Spy Kids exists and I have not seen it aside from when I was oh. in the theater at age eight. <laughs> I'm too old for this. It's, don't watch them. <laughs> Wow, what a fun and not totally creepy sound effect. I cannot think of a better segue to take a little break for Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by a new sponsor, Pretty Litter. Let's say hypothetically that you are Hermione Granger at Hogwarts and you have a cat named Crookshanks that you mostly neglect for all of the books. You only care about Crookshanks occasionally. And because of that, you don't want to have to deal with the kitty litter situation and things smelling really badly and all that. You want something you can just leave out and not have to worry about and make sure that your entire room doesn't smell horrible. What are you going to use? You're going to use Pretty Litter. Now, let me be straight with you. I don't have a cat. Kelly's parents have a cat. I have experience seeing cats around. Also, Pretty Litter sent me a sample. My friend Kristen used it, and she absolutely loves it. Pretty Litter is Kitty Litter 2.0, shipped directly to your door in a lightweight bag that can last the entire month. You don't have to run to a pet store to carry big, heavy, open bags of cat litter and put them into your closet. I've seen the giant supply that Kelly's mom has in her closet. It does not look great and smells not great either. Speaking of not great smells, Pretty Litter can protect those because they have next level odor protection. It uses super absorbent crystals that actually trap and conceal odor and moisture, so there's no smell and there's no mess. There's no dirty clay or compost that's gross to clean up. I used to live with someone who had a cat and they had this, did not like it at all. And in my New York apartment, we can smell everything throughout the whole apartment because it's not incredibly large. So if we were to have a cat, which we plan on having in the future, I could definitely see us using Pretty Litter to make sure that our entire apartment does not smell like cat excrements. But the best part about Pretty Litter is that it monitors your cat's health. It changes colors to detect underlying illnesses before urgent medical care is needed, saving you money, stress, and potentially your cat's life, which seems pretty ideal. So Kristen loved the Pretty Litter. Future Mike, when Kelly and I get a cat, I will get Pretty Litter. So do what I did. Make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use the promo code Potterless for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code Potterless for 20% off. So go to prettylitter.com, use the promo code Potterless, save 20% and make sure that your entire apartment doesn't smell bad and your cat is healthy, especially if it's Kirkshanks because you're not paying attention to them most of the year today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, Neville Longbottom is someone who likes to collect cards. He likes to collect the chocolate frog cards. And it's got to be a frustrating experience for him to be ripping open all these chocolate frog things, hoping for particular cards. What if there was slightly less randomness in the mix? What if he had a better sense of what cards he could get? Ooh, that sounds like something that could intrigue you if you were trying to get muggle versions of trading cards and stuff. And if that's interesting to you, you should check out Arena Club. Arena Club is a website and service where you can do all sorts of things in the world of trading cards, whether that is sports trading cards or Pokemon cards, you can utilize Arena Club and they have so many cool things. One of the coolest things that they have is slab packs. Slab packs give you more transparency when it comes into ripping open packs and hoping for particular cards in a pull. And I recently opened up a slab pack with Arena Club and it was nice because rather than it just be like this complete black box of I have no idea what cards I'm going to get, they show you a list of, oh, here are the different cards that you could get from this pack. Here's the percentages. And then what's also nice about it is that if you don't like whatever card you get, you can just sell it right on back to Arena Club and then boom, you can take those funds and use them to get other cards because they also have a full marketplace where you can search for individual cards. I did that as well. I wanted to get a particular Pokemon card. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu. It's holographic. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it right now and it's proudly in my studio. Arena Club is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, display, minting, all sorts of good stuff. If you are involved or interested in any sort of card collecting, trading cards, stuff like that, I think Arena Club will be right up your alley. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Potterless. Wow, that's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack, for example. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So check that out if you want to have a little less randomness in your life, whether it is with muggle trading cards or chocolate frog cards like Neville today. So then... After Harry and Dumbledore are talking about this new revelation and they're figuring out Horcruxes, Dumbledore kind of explains what Horcruxes are. Does a pretty bad job. This is the most important plot point of the book and of the rest of the entire series. And Dumbledore very quickly is like, yeah, they're Horcruxes. Yeah, let's find them. And I feel well, like... Well, he just needed to know how many there were. That's what he really so needed to know. That was the memory. That's that was the key piece of info that Dumbledore needed was the number. But he couldn't have known he was going to get that from this memory. Oh, no. Um... Yeah, that's why I think Dumbledore just needed to hear the rest of it in case that was given. Yeah, I guess so. He just needed to rule it out, even if it wasn't. Right. Much okay. like sending Death Eaters to fly into Hogwarts. So you just really got like to. detective work. <laughs> Pretty much. He's just turning every stone. Yeah, this is CSI So Hogwarts. then in that context, it makes sense why he wouldn't stop to explain what Horcruxes are, because he just found a key piece of information. Well, the problem is that at this point, at least in the book story, Harry has no idea what a Horcrux is at all. So in the book, there's a whole chapter where Dumbledore's like, all right, we got this information. Let me tell you what's up. Because now... 
him and Harry are going to find all the Horcruxes together. So he gives Harry this big information dump of what's going on, what they are, where he thinks they are, all this other stuff. You have a whole other scene. They actually, in the book, show how Dumbledore got that ring, whereas in oh. in the book, he's just got the ring. They do a whole other pensive trip where you get to see Voldemort interacting with his parents because he killed his parents to make that ring. You see Voldemort's family, all this other stuff. I totally forgot about all of that. There's so much. This movie could have been so much better. It should have been two yeah. movies. There's so many things that just get cut. So just, I think that like the most important plot point is just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, Horcruxes, they're there. It's like, no, they're the plot. We need this. Mm -hmm. So it happens super quickly. And they also change a thing in the movie. They add to get over this, I guess, because the backstory kind of explains how Dumbledore knows where some of them are because the whole thing is that Voldemort is using objects that are important to him and hides them in places that are important to him. And in the movie, they've decided to change it where dark magic leaves traces. So when you find one, you get these weird flashbacky oh, no. dreams and then now you can figure out where the next one is. Oh no. And it's just... It's uh, just magic? It's Yeah, it's just it's dark magic leaves traces. The biggest cop out. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid and it makes me really upset because I think it's really well crafted the way that they lay it out in the book because they have to really do investigative work and it also makes sense. In... That should have been this whole movie. Frankly, just Skip make it law and order. Just law and order. trying to find Horcruxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been good. Damn, it has like the Eye of Sauron type of thing going on, mm. where you like touch so a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta touch a, a, the thing, and then and then you see the eye, and the eye sees you. And <laughs> same thing when he touches a Horcrux, and then Voldemort kind of like feels what's going on. Yeah, for sure. I have now seen the first two Lord of the Rings movies, nice. so I've improved. And the second <laughs> one was on director's cut, so it was a 12-year-long film. <laughs> I've been watching it for the past <laughs> decade. <laughs> so Dumbledore and Harry then go to the lake to get the locket. And Dumbledore does what I've always thought is so frustrating, and I don't understand why people do this one. They have to cut something to get blood out. People cut their palm. palm yeah. Why don't you cut the your tip of your finger? Or your forearm or something that you don't use that much? No, just prick the tip of your finger. Right. Give me a drop. Yeah, that makes more sense. Like, your hand moves so much, that wound is going to take so long to heal. Also, you need to use your hand. You right. have a big painful sore on it for exactly. weeks. Cut, like, the top of your thigh or something. Uh, God, I don't know. no. You're choosing worse places. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least a place that isn't, like, high contact with just lots of nerves. Just cut the side of your neck. <laughs> cut the inside of your groin <laughs> just right in the heart just do it so this is where i think the movie gets really good because this whole scene is dope the cave is so creepy yeah, you know why it's dope because it's extremely derivative of lord of the rings this whole <laughs> Ooh. scene Ooh. every oh, single perfect. element first of all why is the scene so extremely desaturated the whole the movie is desaturated. Is, no, this one scene, the coloring is completely yeah. different than the rest of the movie, which I would understand if it was like a pensive flashback and they were trying to like, oh, this is a different time. Right. But suddenly just the lighting in this cave is completely gray and green. It's yeah. visually really jarring. Mm -hmm. But then also in this cave, suddenly Gandalf just is <laughs> just Dumbledore. <laughs> Genuinely, like, watch this scene again. You cannot tell that that's not Gandalf. He does look more Gandalfy in the scene. Even the performance. Yeah. It's so upsetting. And then the fucking guys in the pool? That the is the scene in Lord of the Rings in that marsh. And guess what? The guys coming out of it look exactly like Smeagol. Mm. The whole scene mm. is so Lord of the Rings. It's upsetting. Space Jam has been ripped off. Lord of the Rings has been ripped <laughs> off. I wish you can't keep getting away with this. The one thing that you mentioned, the Inferi, those lake zombies, 
Did you have any idea what was going on there? I I wanted I wanted to know who they who they were. Yeah, that's a whole thing. What's in your the name, book. sir? That's a whole thing in the book that they explain. They're all named Craig. They, <laughs> They're all named. They explain in the book that Voldemort has control of this army of the undead called the Inferno. Also in Lord of the Rings, just so you know, you haven't seen the third one yet, but Army of the Undead is a fucking thing. <laughs> that is true. It's so frustrating that. I guess they figured you didn't need to know what they were. It's just, yeah, creepy lake zombies, they'll figure it out. But, I don't know, the ministry warns about safety precautions around them in the books and everything. And in the movie, they're just like, yeah, they're just there. Yeah, figure it out. It's creepy lake. You just assume. Also, he, like, has to drink this charcoal lemonade in, like, the chicest abalone shell. It's very LA. <laughs> it looked so yummy yeah, to me, like too. out of moon juice. <laughs> <laughs> So they go up, they get to this amazing display of liquid that makes your brain explode. It's beautiful. And when Dumbledore and Harry are talking about it, Dumbledore says that he's going to do it. And Harry asks why. And Dumbledore says, quote, I'm much older, much cleverer, and much less valuable. I like that he sneaked in a little humble brag in the middle of it. I'm older. I'm not as important. I'm a lot more smart than you, though. I'm a lot more clever than you are. (laughs) It's to make the point that he's right. I guess, yeah. But I thought... Everything in the scene was good, except for two things. What happens is you drink this, it, what the theory is that, it's just replays your worst memory over and over and over again. Jesus. So you just, you just want to die. Yeah. And Dumbledore, when he says, kill me here, he just screams it kind of out of the blue. There's not a lot of buildup to it. I we, think it's the editing. I think it is too. The editing on this scene is... Absolutely, especially whack. It is so so insane. (laughs) I'm surprised this scene hasn't gone viral. (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody, just weird cuts. It's so many (laughs) cuts, and and it's like artistic cuts. Like they're cutting within one scene. Like Mm -hmm. Harry's suddenly at a different angle, and then he's popping back in, and it's not a time jump. You're just like. What? Is this it's, a kaleidoscope? It felt like a different film. Yes, what I'm saying. It was so strange. It got like very eyes wide shut suddenly for this one scene. Ooh, yeah. It was bonkers, but it could be the editing of it. But yeah, he goes, He, I think before this point, does a really good job of freaking out, not wanting to drink it, all well described in the book. But the kill me in the book, I think he just kind of mutters it. And it's supposed to be, I feel like that is more gripping because he's kind of pleading with Harry, like, put me out of my misery. And then Harry has to respond, and he says stuff that's hard to digest, where he's like, this will kill you, drink it. It's, I feel like there was more emotion in the book and in the movie, it's just, like, done really quickly, and then, yeah, the cuts and edits make it feel weird and hectic. I liked I liked his performance, though. I felt like Michael, especially, like, the way his, like, eyes changed when he's, yeah. like, laying on the ground, mm-hmm. it really oh. devastated me. Mm-hmm. It worked for me. Everything except for the way he screams kill me, I thought mm. worked. Was it, like, pain that he was feeling or like the memories that were painful i think so it's never actually said but the theory that i subscribe to is (laughs) that it just keeps replaying your worst moment over and over and over again and maybe it's Batman Begins Scarecrow-esque where it's augmented to be even scarier. Me shitting my pants at work. Me saying the wrong thing. God. But what Dumbledore, as you learn in the seventh book, is that his worst memory is that he was somewhat responsible for the death of his younger sister. So imagine just like Mm. only being able to see that on replay forever. Yes. (laughs) She died. Dumbledore a Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) But then the other thing is when he asks for water, he doesn't... Water. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't seem not Harry, a SpongeBob vibe. Water, water would be nice. <laughs> Me after smoking a whole joint. <laughs> <laughs> he he just seems very he seems too matter of factly about it. He's just kind of sitting and he's just like water. That's because it's Dumbledore. He's I guess so stoic dude. But I think in the book it does a better job of 
The way he said water made me feel like Harry should have been like, yeah, let's get out of here and then I'll get you some water. Whereas in the book, it's more like I need water or I'm going to die because when Harry gets it, it's much more frantic. But also not that frantic because he goes and gets the necklace first, which I was like, your friend and your number one mentor is dying right now. And you're like, can I just look at this necklace really quick? I think in the book it was done differently. I don't think he does it. So I agree with you there. Um, But he does use Aguamentine. He tries to use the shell and and it doesn't work so that Voldemort has set it up where you have to go into the water. And then when you go into the water, the the zombies attack you. Or do we know if it was who stole it again? Regulus Black. So do we know that maybe he had something to do with the booby trapping of this situation. When you learn sure it about Voldemort? it later, yes, everything okay. was Voldemort. Okay, okay. But the way it is set up is that I guess you have to drink water if you drink the potion. The only way you can drink the water is by going into the lake water. Mind Once over you matter, go into dude. the lake water in fairy. You've ever had cotton mouth, you know it's mind over matter. <laughs> so goes in the water the zombies start going I thought this scene was cool it was intense it's underwater they're choking him they're grabbing him whatever and then Ooh. Dumbledore busts out the ring of fire yeah the oh. bell rock just, again uh. Lord of the Rings <laughs> you shall not it's so derivative he's just also he tried to give him fucking lake water like we didn't all play Oregon Trail and die in this stop super grody super gross god but yeah he just starts whipping all the fire around makes a whole Moses parting the Red Sea of fire. It's so dramatic. I loved it. The music is intense. His hair is flowing in the wind. I I want to see them shooting that and like poor Michael having just like swirl his hand above Mm -hmm. his head like at a certain speed and they're like, do it like it's heavy. What I got to say, one choreography, got to give the props to the guy. It genuinely looked looked like he was carrying something like a big hammer throw. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty convincing. I thought he did a great job. But yeah, one of the cuts that I wanted to talk to you about that you brought up specifically after the zombies start to come. Oh my God, that's what I wrote down. (laughs) Harry backs away from the water. Three cuts of him backing away at different angles. Three cuts. And it's not the same backing up. It's it's done differently every time. It's really weird. And it's just... All from the same forward-facing angle. Right. Just like popping in and out like Dutch angles. It's slightly different, but it's so... It was so obscure. Again, like if this was like an art house film, maybe. but. script supervisor. <laughs> oh, and it's not even it's it's not even some edits in action movies where I think this edit is kind of cool where you see the same thing and they show you from a couple different angles like right away. Like that's kind of cool because then right. you get to see Tom Cruise punch a guy in the face. Far away Tom Cruise punch but a guy in the face. But usually those are different angles. Right. This is the same angle. <laughs> just Harry moving in the frame. Bettina, from a cinematography perspective, what the fuck was that going on here? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to replay that scene and (laughs) that's going to be, this scene's going to be the scene that's going to like be in my mind if I drank the water. (laughs) Just like, kill kill me. Kill me. I can't look at the bad edit. Please kill me. I can't watch this. It's so poorly done. For you, it would be a vine that just doesn't perfectly loop music wise. That's what Uh. happens in your head. (laughs) But it's one that you made that you know loops perfectly and then the one in your brain, it's slightly off and then they keep playing it. Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I stopped the air with a spoon I'm holding. <laughs> Curse you, Twitter. <laughs> uh, also, let it be known, Bettina has been holding a spoon this entire taping as if it is a wand. <laughs> She's been gesturing with it and everything. <laughs> if I put it in my tea right now, it's going to clink and make noise. I could. You can't set it, it down. <laughs> you can't possibly set it down. Everyone listening is like, this episode was so much better. I can't <laughs> tell what it is, but now I know. It's the spoon. She had power the power the spoon. <laughs> So they get out of the cave and then we've got 
the whole Dumbledore, Malfoy, Death Eater confrontation going on. And Bellatrix coming through the vanishing cabinet. Helena Bonham Carter is so solid as her. Mm -hmm. She is the perfect casting, right amount of creepy. I like that her wand is like, looks like it's broken in half. It's bent. (laughs) It's bent and everything. 30% of wands 50 and older suffer. Her facial expressions. (laughs) (laughs) Scoliosis wand. Her facial expressions are so solid. Her Mm -hmm. hair's great. Just fantastic all around. They go up to the roof. I'm very upset because they've changed the way that the tower looks in the movie versus the books. In the books, they described it as crenellated ramparts, which is one of my favorite. You didn't say anything in English. Crenellated ramparts, which you you did an episode about the uh, Star Spangled Banner over the ramparts we watched. Oh, it's like a ribbon? No. Uh, It's it's the top of a castle. Like when they go like this in a like a silhouette. yeah, it's but it's like when it's the like the tall... jaggedy. Okay. And Monty mm-hmm. Python, when they poke out and they go like, right. your father. You're telling me I spoke about this on my own podcast that I don't remember. I'm just saying the word rampart, right. I made fun of it in an episode of products. So I was like, crenellated ramparts? What silly words? I've never heard of either of them. And then everyone on Twitter was like, um, have you ever sang the Star Spangled Banner? I thought you were American. Super ramparts fun. in the song. I thought you were a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Would be another good merch. Lesbians love ramparts. <laughs> but yeah, they changed it up. No ramparts. I'm upset. That's like the Space Needle up there. Ooh, it's very Seattle. Thing. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> the, they've got the rotating restaurant <laughs> at the and top of the astronomy tower. And if you want on the top floor, tower, we have Lobster Bisque. <laughs> for $100 million. <laughs> God, I never went up the Space Needle. $35 to go up in elevators, too many dollars. I just spent 38 to go up to the Empire State Building. Yeah, but that's... Taller. The same as the Space Needle. Well, the problem with the Space Needle is that the coolest part of the Seattle skyline is the Space Needle. And if you're yeah, inside the Space Needle, cool. you're just looking at, oh, look, here's oh, some tall but buildings. But now you can look at Amazon. <laughs> look at Bezos's balls. Look at Bezos destroy a whole city. So bad. But hey, they lost that election that they were trying to fund a bunch of money into. And they're into. moving to New York anyways. Wait, are they? I thought they weren't gonna. Yeah, but now they're, they're not getting again? a tax cut for doing it. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just saved us so much money. Oh, but they are still going to come. That was the game. Yeah, right, right. Because they were going like, to come to Long Island. You're not going to get a tax break for this. Uh-huh. They're going to come anyway. Uh, fuck. And so she fought hard. She won, and then they're coming anyway. And she's like, "What did I say?" Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, at least they're paying taxes. It's cool. That's what I'm saying. But I don't want the E train to be over congested. Oh my god. I know. <laughs> You guys, this is all actually a podcast about anti-capitalism. <laughs> We've gone too far. Billionaires shouldn't be allowed to exist. One star reviews coming in. <laughs> so Draco reveals that he has the dark mark. I don't know that he ever did that in the book. I can't remember, but he does it in the movie here. I thought it was always just implied in the book. And I have a couple dark marks. <laughs> <laughs> they get worse in the summer. <laughs> but then you have something that they change from book to movie. So you've got Harry hiding underneath the floorboards. Which is conveniently mm. also how he's going to watch Snape die. Dumbledore die. Dumbledore die. In the next movie, I feel oh. like it's the exact same. That, I'm well, here hiding, looking between the cracks. They, they go to the boathouse in the eighth movie, which is just not a book thing at all. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's always him under looking through floorboards. But in the book, what happens is when Harry is up there with Dumbledore, Harry's under the invisibility cloak. And once Draco comes in, Dumbledore does Petrificus Totalis to Harry so that he can't move, so that he's invisible he and he won't. He, he would have done something. would have. Because he's Harry. That's how he rolls. So he did that. Then Harry just has to watch everything unfold. And then you've got everything else in the scene still true to form of Draco disarming the wand of Dumbledore, the Death Eaters coming in. I don't think Bellatrix is with them. I think it's other people. Because in the books, there's a whole big fight going on in 
Hogwarts Castle while this is happening mm. and just a couple of them run up. Whereas in the movie, it's just kind of a whole secret mission. They just sneak in. No one really knows. Bellatrix destroys the castle and then they leave. Boom, boom, boom. It feels like a waste of resources. They had to employ like 20 Death Eaters for two hours. Mm -hmm. Use the whole day. You already pay them. They're pay rate. Yeah, right? (laughs) But a big (laughs) crucial thing that they change in the movie, and this is, again, I think they make Snape more likable in the movie, is they add the whole thing where he walks by Harry and gives him the shh. Oh, and right. then goes up. That's not in the book at all. That's a weird move. So in the movie, that gives you some sort of hint of like, maybe Snape is good. Oh, interesting. He's not being shitty to because Harry. Because they knew they were about to make you watch him kill Dumbledore. So they were like, so how do we liken him up a I, little Yeah, bit. I guess. But I think that's very compelling, at least in the book, is I knew that plot twist, but I could only imagine... When you read that at the time, were you did you fully believe that Snape was a, a bad guy and you were super pissed and Dumbledore trusted you much like Harry reacted? Um, I always suspected that Snape was good. Mm-hmm. So I think I was kind of rooting for him from the jump. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah. I couldn't tell you why. I was a tiny kid. Mm-hmm. I was like nine when I started reading these books. But you were like, that's Marilyn Manson and I like him. I did. I, I liked the beautiful people. I, I liked his kooky contacts. I was like kind of hot in a bad boy way. So I don't know. Maybe that speaks more to my preference in men. But I always was team Snape. So even when he did it, I was like, why would he do such a thing? Like I still was like confused by it. And I remember finishing it and just sobbing. I just sat there crying, and my dad walked out and was like, you're crying that hard from a book. And I was like, yeah, you don't get it. It's a really good one. And then the movies came out, and he was like, no, now I get it. (laughs) My dad does not read, of course. (laughs) Famously. But, yeah, they add the whole shh thing. And in the book, he just shows up and defends Draco and kills Dumbledore. So it's more believable from Harry's perspective that he would hate Snape and think that Snape was guilty and all that other stuff. Whereas in the movie, it's like, oh, there's some sort of clue. What's going on here? So that's a, the biggest thing that gets changed because it does a whole other wrinkle to Snape and yeah, that's Snape's character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like, shh, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> shh, I'm about to kill Dumbledore. <laughs> well, it's like such a betrayal of Harry's whole character to not do that petrified spell or whatever because it's like he absolutely would have intervened he would have screamed he's he like hates Snape was like shh he would have been like fuck, fuck you, you. <laughs> <laughs> he hates snape so incredibly unbelievable that that's gonna happen but uh, he just looks at snape and is like okay papa like all of a sudden <laughs> i don't buy it yeah so then dumbledore dies There's no battle happening in Hogwarts at all, which is unfortunate because there's some interesting stuff that happens in the battle. Lavender Brown maybe dies. Yeah. There's Fenrir Greyback, the half-person, half-werewolf guy, bites Bill Weasley in the face. Yeah. And he also is the one that attacks Lavender Brown. There's way more stuff going on. You have Flitwick dueling a bunch of people. Cool stuff happens. McGonagall's fighting. All that's gone. They didn't have the budget. I guess. Instead, they have the budget for Helena Bottom Carter just to destroy the castle, which... Is and wreck that bridge at the beginning? Mm-hmm. God, it I don't is, understand that. I will say, her destroying everything in Celebration, kind of fun, though. <laughs> like, so kind of cool, but so unnecessary. Yeah, just get out of You're there. You're in there. Blow up the whole building. Yeah, either destroy the whole... technology? Either destroy the whole building or leave. Don't just be like, what if I kicked the glasses? <laughs> See you later. Remember the name. <laughs> the Wet Bandits. <laughs> So they start running out and then Harry chases after and has this confrontation with Snape, which I felt was really rushed and shortened. Dude. It's a little more lengthened out in the book. We need to discuss. Okay, I was really unpacking this for quite some time. And honestly, even right now, 24 hours after having watched the movie, that Snape's like, yes, I am the half-blood prince. I'm just thinking to myself, like, when you were in high school, 
Imagine for a second you're like, what, 45? How old Snape's supposed to be? He's supposed to be late 30s. Oh, okay. That's bad casting. But whatever. <laughs> no, the casting is <laughs> Imagine horrible. you're 39 <laughs> and you're thinking back to high school and you're like, remember that one science class I took where I like called myself the half-blood prince and mm-hmm. wrote in my textbook that you've been carrying that around with you for so long that you still would be like, that's right. I am the half-blood It'd prince. It'd be really bad if we all used our first AIM username. That's if I walk I'm up saying. to Harry and I go, that's right. I am MJS dude. Exactly. I am GC4L Joel. Was the, what? Is that <laughs> what you... Charlotte for life, Joel. Who is Joel a member? The lead singer okay. of Good Charlotte. Yes. Did you even have Aim Bettina? No. But <laughs> I, all I could think of is like, what's my most embarrassing handle? It's like my deviant art. What's what is your, it? What is it? Chibi Love 1114. So imagine, <laughs> imagine being like, that's right. I am Chibi Love 1444. <laughs> it's so embarrassing that as a man, he says that. <laughs> he just could have been like, that's right. You got my old textbook, you fucking dunce. But instead he's like, I'm the half-blood prince. And you're like, stop. This is so embarrassing for you. You already have so much working against you. And the reveal of it isn't fun. No. Because Snape is one more for the theatrics. I did really appreciate earlier that when he does jump in to defend Draco, he does the action movie thing where he enters at the right line and then steps in and goes, no, and then defends him. (laughs) Because Snape does that in the books all the fucking time. All the time. All the time. So the fact that he did it earlier, great. But this reveal, it should have been more dramatic. It should have been like, oh, using my spells against me. Like, there should have been a couple more lines in between. That's because I am. Dramatic cut. Maybe like one of these, like, yes, I killed Dumbledore. I'm (laughs) one of the good guys. We could have had that in there. Mm -hmm. They're just by themselves. He already shushed him in private. Right. No reason why he couldn't be like, listen, I know you think I'm a bad guy. Trust me. I'm on your team. You'll see later. Yeah. (laughs) Why couldn't he just said that? Uh, They were were close in proximity with the other bad people. (laughs) And also Harry wouldn't have believed him. But also he had to get Harry to not believe him so that because Snape's still the double agent. It's a whole thing. Whole can of worms. I just don't buy it. Yeah. I don't buy it for one second. I would not buy it based on the way it is shot in the movie where the other ones, they seem to be very far away. And it is just the two of them talking. Yeah. It couldn't have been like, trust me, dude. I knew you got to trust me. Yeah. It felt quicker and more in the moment in the book. But I don't know. Then they move on to lighting Hagrid's hut on fire and the Death Eaters leave. The pyro team was so bored. They're like, give us more. (laughs) We got to light stuff on fire. We already burned the burrow. We need another thing. So then you get the final scene. Bellatrix has done the dark mark in the sky. All the students realize that Dumbledore's dead. They see it. They start putting wands into the sky. Wands up! <laughs> I think it... Vapes up. <laughs> I think it is a nice scene in the way they did it, but in the book, they have this whole long, dramatic funeral for Dumbledore It'd be where... It's way more beautiful. It's... I, well, I really... The problem is the funeral has so much going on. He has this big, dramatic tomb. The centaurs do a bow and arrow ceremony thing. Grop is there. There's all these theatrics of when the tomb shows up, there's all these flames. There's so many things picturesque happening in it and then the movie just didn't do it i wanted to see how they did it i wanted to see them all and it made me sad i I think what they did was cool but i really wanted to see his funeral funeral also can i say the last line of the movie yes i never realized how beautiful this place was (laughs) it made me so mad harry potter says this yeah lest we forget he grew up under the stairs like super abused super poor yeah and you're telling me the first thing this is what his sixth year at school Yes. The first thing you would notice is, holy shit, this place is beautiful. Are you fucking kidding me? The movies feel, they always seem to have this need to end it on a good note. No, just let Dumbledore die. That should be the end of the movie. Like, fades back in, and then they're Mm -hmm. like, he's like, 
I don't think I'm going to come to school next year. And she's like, are you fucking dying for going with you, bro? And he's like, oh, hell yeah. This place is pretty. The end. Yeah. <laughs> we did not need that scene. Just let it end with them being like, Wands up, Dumbledore's dead. This sucks. The yeah. end. I guess because it's kids movies and they want to end it on like a happy, sappy note, but they it's okay. Dumbledore? Yeah. He's dead. That's not happy. They should have done every movie to Wasn't be Wasn't the, cre- the credits music really ha- happy too? I don't yes. even remember. No, it was credits, very like the whimsical. Credits was <laughs> too that whimsical. actually <laughs> was jerked out by the Caesars. Because it's easy. But yeah, it's the end of the film. So What a nightmare. So much good stuff happens and then it just happens in the most confusing, convoluted way. Yeah. Yeah. Why? No, no, no. How did you feel about the film, Bettina? We know where Miel stands. <laughs> I've been screaming for three hours. <laughs> it's it's the same way I feel about just like <laughs> Avengers films, where it's just mm. at this point, we've got so much going on. I'll just take whatever bad and good because I'm just so tired. I just wanna <laughs> I just I just wanna see what I'm here to see. And then get out of there. Yeah. And then wait for the next one th- to happen. Because well, it, well, me complaining, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't know. It's a good approach. I like it. <laughs> Very zen. That's the approach I take to High School Musical. It's like, look, you just go in and watch it. You know what you're getting. Yeah. Like, it's a Disney Channel original musical that heavily stars basketball. I think if it wasn't so confusing, I could get on board that train. Right. But they do, like, genuinely just miss certain plot points that you won't understand the movie. That's the thing. Is... Ultimately, with all these movies, and I keep saying this, is that their decisions on what to elongate and what to cut is so strange. And the Mm -hmm. fact that a lot of the times it seems what they like to shorten is the important plot twists. When you have a movie about magic that isn't easy to comprehend, what makes it so easy to do with the books is that you have a narrator that will take multiple pages to be explaining to the reader, here's how this works. Here's long exposition chapter, an entire chapter that explains stuff. But compared to Lord of the Rings, I feel like genuinely Lord of the Rings does a much better job being like we only yeah. I mean and maybe it's because it was all made by one person right I don't know right and also just the events of that book are just very like film friendly also like creating like a film out of a book is also taking into account the audience and it's not just people who like re- read the books it's people who don't read books at all so they want to see action <laughs> they don't care about they just want to see shit on fire <laughs> at the end of the day that's why they had to burn the burrow and Hagrid's hut. That must have been the review for the fifth movie. It was like, pretty good. Not enough stuff on fire. Let me improve this. More flames. Give me some more fire. Mm-hmm. But speaking of fire, these episodes were fire. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue! <laughs> Thank you both so much for being on for these episodes. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you guys? Mm, I'm at Meow Meow Monster, and you can listen to Punch Up the Jam if you want to hear me scream about more of nothing. Great. What about you, Bettina? <laughs> you can find me on all streaming platforms as Valiant Vermin, my music, and Butthole. It's like Butthole, but with an E instead of a U. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you both so much for being on. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they light stuff on fire, Wizard on! I mentioned live shows in the intro of today's episode, but there's even more multitude live shows happening than the ones I mentioned. There's more stuff going down in LA. There is a JTP and Spirit Show going down in Austin. There's a Spirit Show going down in Boston. There'll be new stuff added in the future if you want to see all the opportunities to see Multitude Live. Head on over to multitude.productions/live, and we'll see you there. Potterhouse is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Ponson, Filio, Rosemary Dodge, Marie Lisa C. 
Keen, Romina Rivadinier, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Cross, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian, the Owl, Takari Ron, Haley Hastings, Moster, Ingen Oddstotter, Alex Consilver, John Codker, Noel Basile, Emily Tyrell, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Ensign, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou, Friday J. Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Summer Rathal, Andrea Crock, Lynn Walker, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Ned Atabani, Zina Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addie, Nikki Harris, Kine, Ameda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Placky, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Aaron Richter, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Lindsay Towning, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Maya, Kieran, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Floor Sake, Siri Scars, Ford, Georgia, Peter Wyckoff, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Leedley, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly O'Till, Carrie Krempler, Connie Bienkowski, Mary Mateel, Jennifer Wendt, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lenz, Kayla M. Simino, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Out of Context 69, Marco Cepeda, Hannah Zeters, Courtney Spilker, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Anna Penalber, Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Jenny, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Mary Joy Moi, Heather, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, Javi Guadalupe, Trejo III, Darlene Kerr, Brad Harding, Thomas Travera, Charlotte, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Tew, Bugaboo, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Emma, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Janin Rose Dab, Nicole Linzer, Callahan and Deras, Kyler the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Robb, Jordy Wright, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Bill Gill, Victoria Colca Perry, Joe Radwan, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Molly Bautista, Becca Spry, Anthony Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Courtney Harris, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Nymphedora, G, Maximilian Vos, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Luca Holbling, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web Design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campomanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For all information about the show, you can go to Potterlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. And for merch, you can go to Potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's in person or through a review online, that really does help. If you want to see me live in Phoenix, go to bit.ly slash PotterlessPHX. If you want to see me live in LA, go to multitude.production slash live. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as I say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on! It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.